10.30 service, you guys look good. Good morning, good morning. My name is Matt Henderson. I'm one of the pastors here at Southland Church, and it's such a privilege to be here with you guys this morning. I want to say a warm hello to those that are joining us online. I'm sure you guys look good too. Um, so hey, I'm really excited this morning. I get the privilege to teach from Luke chapter 17. And so Luke is really cool. In this chapter, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. So this is one of his favorite things and one of my favorite things. So just to give you a little bit of background about myself, I grew up as a Calvary kid, right? In Southern California, show of hands, any people, Calvary kids? All right, a couple, right? So that means that a couple of things I take away from that is I have a very, um, very high uh, value for sound doctrine and a very high value for eschatology. And so eschatology being just like, you know, the study of like end times events and things like that. And so the reason I love this is because to be able to preach to where Jesus talks about what the kingdom of God looks like and to be able to share that for you guys, like I just love it. I totally geek out on this stuff. So bear with me. If you are one of those people that are going, yeah, that's not my jam. You're losing me. Just stay because I'm pretty sure uh, God has some things he wants to say. Um, I will start by saying I'm not an expert in any of this. My goal this morning is to share the Father's heart with you. Um, and so as we go, go through that, I just want to ask you just to be open um, to what the Spirit would say to you. All right, so let's talk about the kingdom of God. My first question, show of hands, who has ever wondered, asked, maybe verbalized or not verbalized in this way, but when is the kingdom of God coming? Show of hands. All right, good amount of you guys. But you guys are much more holier than the 830. I'll say that right now. <laughs> So look, so yes, you've thought, when is the kingdom of God coming? As we look around us, this world, we're being told that the world is falling apart, right? Due to global warming, like we probably got, I don't know, 200 years before everything slides off the globe. Um, we, we've been told that potentially there's gonna be worse global pa pandemics coming this way. And if we think about what happened over the course of these last 18 months, it's like, what does life look like in 10 years if, if that were to happen? Um, man, I mean, we have seen hate, mob, uh, mob um, mentality, like on TV this year, like just wickedness, like in front of us. And so there has to be, even if you're not going, when's the kingdom of God coming? There has to be this part of you that's just going like, how much can we endure? Like, when is enough enough, you know? So the scripture, well, actually, first, what I want to tell you guys is if you feel that, man, I feel a little disconnected What's happened in the last couple of years makes me feel like, man, this home, this world feels a little weird and it doesn't feel good anymore. I just wanna affirm that that is a healthy thing. And that is a thing that God absolutely wants you to feel because this is not your home. If you are in Christ, we are just passing through. And so to feel disconnected is a beautiful thing. And more importantly, the spirit of God wants to actually create and stir a deep longing inside each and every one of you for his return. Okay. All right. So since the Bible talks so much about this, the kingdom of God, we are absolutely going to talk about it. The Old Testament prophets talk about the coming of the kingdom age. Uh, we have a book in the New Testament, Revelation, right? Everybody knows about that one that is all about it. Jesus talked about it, the coming kingdom in parables all the time where he would just, he would package this idea of what heaven is because he knows for us, God is so kind. He knows for us that to understand, to think about, to imagine something that we've never seen, that's perfect, not perverted out of sin, not deteriorating, not breaking down, but to actually like, to experience that, he knows we, we struggle with that. 
So he wants to bring this to us. So he shares these stories, these parables. It says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so in this text, he's actually gonna give us some pretty good details that I think a lot of you guys will be interested in. So what I would ask you, turn in your Bibles with me. We're gonna go to uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 20. All right, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the son of man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there, or look here, do not go out and follow them. For as lightning flashes and the lights and lights up the whole sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it'll be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out of Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetops with his goods in his house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who's out in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in the night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, where, Lord? And he said to them, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Let's pray. Spirit of God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you are here. We thank you, God, that you are with your people, Lord, that are embodied here, and that you are with those at home. Father, we thank you that you desire to speak to us through your word. Lord, there is nothing like your word, God. And so we just wanna be a people right now, Lord, that submit to that. And we ask, would you open our hearts to receive what you would say? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let me give us a quick recap of what we just read. So Jesus is headed to Jerusalem and the Pharisees stop and ask him a question. When is the kingdom of God coming, right? So he's just, he's, he's kind. So he sidesteps that question. He goes, look, I'm gonna tell you guys when it's not, how it's not gonna come. It's not gonna come with these observable signs. There won't be any cosmic revelations. He tells them the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. He then goes on and he starts, to, he knows that they're gonna struggle with this, right? So he, he says what he says, he drops the mic and he begins to go talk to the, fair, the, the disciples, right? And so one of the things that I think is very encouraging for us is the disciples didn't ask the question, the Pharisees did. But he finds it important. He says, look, my people who follow me, they hear my voice, they know my voice and they receive what I say. So let that be an encouragement for us today. He shares more with us because we're willing to hear and willing to receive. So he starts to talk to the disciples 
um, and lets them know, look, you guys are gonna be looking, you wanna see one of the days when I return. In the end, when I'm coming to wrap this whole thing up, you're gonna be looking forward to it. And he just goes, you're not gonna see it. So he just kind of squashes it for them right away. He just, he knows what, what, what they're really excited about. Um, then he turns around and he says, look, I know people are gonna say, look, here's the kingdom or look, it's over there. And he, he warns them, do not go looking for it. Like God knows us, right? We should be encouraged by that. He knows that they would be eager and they would be, they would be wanting to find out when is the kingdom of God coming? As he's talking about what the events are gonna be far off, there's this moment where he pauses and he says, yeah, but first the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And it kind of seems like it almost doesn't fit because he's talking about all these things that are gonna happen and he like backtracks them to this, this moment that still is for the future. So it's kind of like this back in the future moment, right? And he tells them that, why? Is, is Jesus just having one of these moments where he's like, oh crap, I forgot I'm going to the cross. I'm gonna let you guys think about that. We're gonna come back to it. Um, so then he goes on and tells them, he says, look, the world will continue going on like normal. When I return, the world will be doing what they do. We're gonna be planning, uh, applying to colleges. We're gonna be pursuing careers, building homes, and then the Lord will appear. And when he comes, just like in the days of Noah and just like in the days of Lot, the righteous will be saved and rescued and the wicked will be left and punished. He wants them to understand the severity of what it'll look like and how we won't necessarily, the world won't necessarily recognize it. We are called to be a different people. He tells them that, that uh, people will be tempted in those days to try to save themselves, to try to protect themselves, right? It's a person that's on the housetop that goes inside and tries to get their belongings and gather everything. And he tells them, he goes, look, it's not gonna work. And he's just speaking really to what's, what's a bit of what's inside of all of us to try to problem solve things apart from God. Right? So, oh my gosh, he's coming, sudden destruction. Let me go run and grab my stuff. Like, and he's just saying, look guys, that isn't gonna work. He goes on to describe the devastating separation, the devastating separation that there will be a husband and a wife in a bed together and one of them's gonna be taken and saved and, the other, and enter into the kingdom of God and the other one will not. And the anguish that comes with that, we can just imagine. He talks about coworkers, two women working together. And they're just separated. Think about people that you know, that you love at work, that you've been ministering to or wanting to. These are the situations that he's describing. Lastly, in the passage, the disciples ask him like, where, where is this gonna happen, Lord? Which I think is a super random question. But he just, Jesus tells him, he says, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Dun, dun, dun. All right. In this, Jesus is drawing a picture for the disciples. The picture says that in the end, separation from God is death, right? In the end, separation from God is death. And so where the death is, there the vultures of judgment and destruction will be. So to be separated from God is death, it's destruction. That's the picture he's painting. And it's a grim picture. It's a stark image that he's trying to paint for them. And really, it's because this is the most important decision that anybody here or online will ever make in your life to surrender to God. All right, so 
There's so much good stuff in this passage. We could probably pick two verses and like just run into that. I wanna help us just draw a clear picture. I'm gonna tell you right now, we are gonna talk about the kingdom of God and how it's in our midst. And I wanna share with you the three ways Jesus tells us not to miss it. So the kingdom of God is in our midst and Jesus does not want you to miss it. All right, so let's talk about the kingdom so we can all make sure uh, we're on the same page here. So I wanna hear from you guys. Uh, when you think of the kingdom of God, what are, what are the first things that come to your mind? Just shout something out. Jesus, Jesus rule and reign. Who said that? Sweet. There we go. What, what else? Victory, heaven. Couple more. Peace. One more. Righteousness. Man, you guys are good. Definitely better than 830. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love you both. All right. So look, the things that you guys describe when we think of when we think of uh, streets of gold, when we think of uh, pearly gates, right? That's like the physical uh, the physical aspects of the kingdom of heaven, right? When we talk about like no more tears, right? Um, that there won't be any pain, that there'll be perfect peace. That's the atmosphere of the kingdom. When we talk about Jesus returning to earth, binding up Satan, destroying him once and for all, and restoring all things, those are the events that are ushering in the kingdom. And if, we, if, if some of you may think like, oh, what about like the Holy Spirit moving in us, the church, God bringing his kingdom now, that is God's presence in his kingdom. And all these things, guys, it's true. It's all true. I wanna give us one simple description that we can all just kind of like wrap around as we understand the kingdom uh, for the rest of the morning. So here it is. The kingdom of God is a reality where everything is submitted to the rule, the reign, and the authority of God. It is a reality. So reality means it's real. It's the true thing. So we may look around right now and just go, that doesn't seem like reality. So when's the kingdom coming? The reality is that God is ruling, he is reigning, and his authority is above all authorities. And so he is bringing that in our midst in greater measure. So if you're asking that question and you're going, man, when is the kingdom of God coming? Jesus would say to you, just like he did to the Pharisees, it's in your midst. And so if we're struggling to see that this morning, that's okay, let's be honest about that. But let's, let's actually just seek to go, okay, God, like reveal something to me. Reveal something to me. All right. Um, so how is the kingdom, if the kingdom is God's perfect rule, his perfect reign and his perfect authority and everything being subjected to that, how, are we, how is the kingdom in our midst right now? If, we don't, if it doesn't look that way. The kingdom of God is both now and not yet. See, we as believers live in this tension of like, the kingdom of God is here now, it has come already, but it's actually not yet complete. That's where we live, right? Um, it's between the first coming of Jesus Christ and the second coming of Jesus Christ. When Jesus came the first time, he came to introduce the kingdom, to go, here it is, begin to work it out. When he comes a second time, he's coming to complete the kingdom, right? So let me give us, let me try to draw, uh, give us a, a helpful picture um, that'll illustrate this and what we're, what we're living in. So imagine, we all understand technology. Imagine you wanna download something, right? Jesus coming from heaven to earth and healing the sick, casting out the demonic, freeing people, preaching the gospel, loving and showing the kingdom of heaven that was downloading the software. That was him bringing the software of heaven down to earth. 
Now, the moment where he died on the cross and he was resurrected, he atoned for our sins and he broke off the hold that death and that sin has on you. It's done. And that was him punching the install button. Start uploading the software, okay? So we now, in this place, in 2021, I'm not even gonna try to say the date today. I don't know, it's probably the 28th, I don't know, something. So in this time right now, we are living in the gray bars where it's going 7%, 10%, 11%, 23%, 80%. Guys, that's where we are living right now where the kingdom is coming in greater measure. And when the Lord comes back and he returns in the end and he finishes everything that he came to do, then it'll be complete. That is how we are living in the kingdom today. So we need to be a people that understand that. <laughs> buffering, <laughs> buffering, buffering is, speaks to your sin struggle. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay. So if the kingdom of God is now and not yet, and we're living between the first and the second coming of Jesus, then that means that the kingdom of God is in our midst. So how can we make sure that we don't miss it? How can we not be like the Pharisees? So the first thing I wanna tell you, the first way that Jesus tells us that we can make sure we don't miss the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God in our midst, is to not be led astray. He gives this warning twice in the text. He tells it to the Pharisees that are kind of like off, like just looking in. And then he tells it to his crowd. He goes, guys, people are gonna try to draw you one way or the other, don't do it. So what's drawing you right now? What right now in the world, in our culture, today, this last week, is drawing you away from God, away from the kingdom? What doesn't look like him? There we go. We're going to talk about that. All right, so good. <laughs> so Jesus is warning us, don't be led astray. So let's look at the warning that he gives to the, disciples, the, the Pharisees. The Pharisees, one thing we got to understand about them is they had an expectation of the kingdom of God and they had an anticipation of the kingdom of God. They had studied the scriptures. They knew, they knew it was coming. They were looking for the Messiah and they're, they're questioning, all right, well, hey, look, I don't know what we think about Jesus, but he's doing some pretty crazy things. Man, is he the one, right? They were open to the fact that the kingdom was coming. So how is it that they didn't understand that it was in their midst? The Pharisees, the problem with them as they looked at Jesus is that they weren't willing to receive him because they wanted a sign, they, had a, they needed to get a sign. As if all the miracles and the way he lived that was so different to everybody else wasn't a sign, they required a sign. And look, like they, this is somewhat understandable because God was, God was very kind in the Old Testament. He would speak to his people a lot through signs. And those are good things, but they, they, they're not ultimate things. And so what happened is that in their self-righteousness, they begin to demand proof from God. That's why they wouldn't receive Jesus. Their over-dependence on signs actually just stunted their ability to have faith, to just go, God, I trust you. And in doing that, that just wasn't the primary thing anymore. And they missed what was going on in the Old Testament with their father, the father of their faith, Abraham. When God told him, he said, Abraham, leave everything that you know, leave everything that you love and follow me, go to a land that I will show you. You don't have to have the answers, just come and I'm gonna make you a father of a great nation. And Romans tells us that Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. 
They miss that. They miss that in the Old Testament. So as Jesus corrected their misunderstanding of the kingdom, he tells them, guys, the kingdom is right here in front of you. And so you would have thought like just in that moment, they'd be wrestling with and asking some questions and going, I don't get it. Or like, Jesus, can you run that one back? Like, I don't, I don't understand it, right? But somehow they just continue to like move on. Guys, can I ask us to not be like the Pharisees? If we, if we feel that there are ways in which we're not understanding the kingdom, we're going, God, I know that you heal. I know that you do these things. I know there's a miraculous, but actually I'm not seeing some of this. Help me understand it. Like, let's wrestle through those things. Let's bring those before the Lord. Let's work those out in community. Jesus spoke clearly to them, but they didn't get it. And I just wanna, I wanna suggest to you, I think there's two reasons they didn't get it. The first one is because they believed wrongly. They just misunderstood. They, 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 thought, that, they thought that, hey, you know, God's, God showed us signs all the time. This is gonna come this way. And, but somehow they missed the prophecies that said exactly how he would be born, exactly where he would come from. They missed all that stuff. So they just believed wrongly. They thought the kingdom would come by signs, not faith. The second thing I would say is that their hearts lied to them. They were led astray because their hearts lied to them. And this we have to receive as like a warning today. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. It wasn't, it wasn't gonna be an earthly kingdom then. And the truth of it is that, yes, like eventually God will establish his physical kingdom reign here on this earth. That is going to happen. But the problem is they wouldn't receive the fact that, oh, actually this thing could not look like what I want it to look like. And they were expecting, we're the Jews. We're gonna come back into the promised land. We're gonna own this thing. We will rule, the Messiah will rule. And that's a bit of what they wanted. And so that's why they were led astray in their own hearts. Have you ever believed something wrongly? Have you ever looked at something in the word of God and been like, yeah, that's great. Like, oh, I'm all about that, like this week. And then like two months later, you're like, thank God somebody rescued me out of that. Like that was the wrong thing. We are, we are prone, we are tempted to be led astray as well. Guys, this is why it's so important to be a part of a local body. This is why it's so important to be a part of church. Because when, you, when you're a part, when you have relationship with people, you're gonna have pastors that are gonna guard, guard from heresy when they hear you say something that actually doesn't reflect God. They're actually gonna speak into that. They're gonna bring truth into your life. You have older, mature believers that are gonna point you to God, right? And are gonna provide wisdom for you. And obviously when you are with the body of Christ, the presence of the spirit amongst his church, we are able to discern better together. And I will say that this season has made that really difficult for people. As we look at isolation and what it's done, we've had to be separate and apart for certain times. But there's times where, oh, we need you. We need you. We wanna be back together as much as physically possible with everybody because we need this. Our hearts can lead us astray. Yes, the Holy Spirit is in each and every one of you if you have confessed Christ as Lord. The power of the living God is inside of you. And yes, he is generous. He will give you discernment. He will give you wisdom if you ask. But you also have a heart, a flesh. And you also have the world and the enemy that's going after you. And sometimes those things team up to deceive us and we can be led astray. So this morning, one of the ways God wants to tell us to not miss the kingdom is to make sure that we do not Get led, be led astray. 
All right, so I got a secret I wanna share with you guys. Um, I did share it at the, uh, at the 8.30 service. I got some sideways looks. I'm hoping you guys are a little bit kinder to me. All right, so I am a black Republican. Mm, yeah, here we go, all right. Okay, so I know, everybody's like, all right, so I'm a black Republican. Um, and I share that. And before I move forward, I just, that is not, I just want to be clear. That is not a Southland sanctioned political party. Okay. This is me just sharing a bit of who I am for you to understand, because it matters in this point. So I'm a black Republican. I, I'm very interested in politics. I think, it, I think the way our government works is pretty cool. Um, yes, we have had some jacked up stuff happen in the last few years. And it's been really weird to sort through all of it. And it creates a lot of tensions, right? But I think that we are called to be a people that live in those tensions and find out how to honor God and be a part of the world at the same time, right? So I care about these things and I feel like I'm pretty solid and I, and I, I tow a, a good line because the Lord like anchors me. And as I talk, during the election, as I talk to friends, as I watch certain rallies, as I you know, looked at certain like media outlets. Like I was like, okay, we agree on a lot of stuff, but there were some things that were just very clear that I'm like, no, we don't see that the same way. And really what, as, <laughs> what it seemed is that people began to marry the kingdom of God, what God would want and what it needs to look like with our political party and what we think it should look like. And those things were like one. And I'm going, no, that's not. That's not how it's meant to be. And the more that... uh the more that, sorry, let me flip the page. The more that I was listening to people and the conversation that was happening, it seemed as if people believed that the USA was the kingdom of God, that the White House was the throne room, that our president was a savior, and that the Great Commission was to preserve the United States of America. And <laughs> this is not true. Like, we gotta know this isn't true. Like, we've got to know this isn't true. This is us putting our faith in something else. This is us being led astray. This is something that it's a, it's a good thing, but actually it's not God's thing. Like when God, thank you, I will. When, when, when the things of heaven that are submitted to God are God's things. He loves to be a part of this, this world in terms of shaping and bringing his kingdom in and through us. But he doesn't have the same desire you do. There are many countries in this world that are not free. There are many countries in this world where people are suffering more than like what last year ever was. And, they, and that's how it's been for time. We have a greater hope in Christ that causes us to go, no, actually like something's not working my way, but it's okay, like, but God. So we just have to know that we can misunderstand the kingdom too. We can be a little Pharisee-like too. So we are all prone to wonder and it's okay when we make mistakes. We just have to, we, we wanna run to the church. We wanna see, seek grace and be restored and have people like pour into us so that we can understand. But I just gotta beg you guys, don't be like the Pharisees that just hear what Jesus says and just goes, mm, I don't get it. And just like walk away. We need to be a different people that just, that search his heart and just go, I, I don't understand this. Or, or we submit, we take the views that we have, we take the ideas that we hold, the things that we cherish, and we submit them to the Holy Spirit for review. And we say, would you shape this according to your kingdom? 
Man, God's good. All right, so the kingdom of God is in our midst. So if it's here in our midst, another way that Jesus would say to make sure you don't miss it is to remember the cross. Remember the cross. As Jesus was describing the, uh, his second coming, he talked about it being like, like, like a lightning, right? That's gonna flash in the sky. Everybody's gonna see it. But then he tells the disciples, he pauses for a second. He says, but first the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Jesus is being super intentional, not just very intentional, super intentional. In this moment, he stops and he purposefully brings them back, right? He's talking about what's gonna happen there. And he goes, hold on, remix, come back. The cross first. And there's just something that's so important there for us. He brings them back to the first order of importance that he is going to go to the cross. Why is that important? Why does that matter? Why did that matter to them? It was in their mind, it could have just been another one of the 50,000 things that are gonna happen until it's all done. But he tells them, no, like the cross first, right? The disciples needed to be directed to the cross because their whole lives from that moment needed to be in light of the cross and in response to the cross. And don't we need to hear that word today? Like our entire lives, the way that we live, the cities and neighborhoods we move into, the conversations that we engage in, the jobs that we take, the people that we love, all of that should be done through the lens of what the cross has done and what God requires of us. The cross changes everything. There was no other way. There was no other way to bring salvation to you. There was no other way to bring salvation to me. Jesus had to go to the cross. We gotta be a people that never, ever, ever forget what happened on Calvary when Jesus died for us. He doesn't forget it. We're told in scripture that his, in his body, he bears the marks of the cross. That's a, that testifies of his love for you, of his love for me. So to my weekly prophecy update, friends, like me, like me. Be careful not to forget the cross. Do not overconsume knowledge and forsake living in the kingdom now and partnering with God to bring the lost to the kingdom. That's our warning. Church, should we long for the return of the Lord? Absolutely, absolutely. We have to, we gotta be excited. This is not our home. We are passing through. Should we discern the times and be aware of the signs of his coming. Yes, please. Absolutely. So if you're sitting here today and you're just going, hey, I'm not one of those guys like Matt's a cool guy. I'm kind of liking what he has to say, but I just really like end times things like I'm just gonna live my life. I love Jesus. And so things will be good when, I, when he's done with me and I die, it'll be done. I just wanna share with you that there's a bit of a warning there too. I wanna warn you that there is danger in being uninformed and there is danger in being unengaged also in what's going on around you. If you believe what you see on TV, uh, what you see on the internet, on social media, and that it's telling you the truth and that they have your best intentions in mind, you are deceived. If you never, uh, if you never stop to consider that the ruler of this world has one goal in mind to destroy you and that he will use every earthly resource that is at his disposal to do it, 
in terms of influential people, reputable institutions and narratives to do so, then you're being deceived. When talking about uh, persecution, Matthew 10, 16 says, behold, I am coming, or I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. Guys, we gotta be engaged. So please discern, please be aware. The kingdom of God is at war with the kingdom of darkness. There is a spiritual battle that is contending for your attention, for your time, and for your affection. That is happening. And we've gotta be a people that just go, things aren't, the scripture is so clear, it is not what we think meets the eye. And so I'm not saying that we, we, it's hard for us because truth is so relative now. Because we could turn to one station, you got something, you go to your Google feed and we look, they look different. What's on mine and what's on yours. And so truth is so relative. So there's no way that we can discern this apart from God. We have got to be a people that remember the cross. Jesus is bringing his kingdom and he is calling us to remember the cross. The third way that Jesus teaches us how we can make sure that we don't miss the coming kingdom is to turn our back on the world. Write that one down. That's a good one. What do I mean? Jesus tells us that when he returns, the world's gonna be carrying on like normal. They're gonna be building their kingdom here. But when he comes, what happens? The righteous are saved and the wicked are judged. In the story of Lot, I wanna just remind us what happens in there. God decides he's gonna destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because it is so full of wickedness. And Abraham goes, he knows his nephew Lot's in there and he goes, God, please don't wipe away the, all the righteous with the wicked, would you do that? And he goes, if there's a hundred people that are righteous, would you save it? And God goes, yeah, I would. And then he begins to negotiate God and he comes back to him like six times. Well, if there's 50, if there's 40, if there's 30, and eventually they settle on 10. He doesn't ask for more than that. I think if he would have said one, God would have said, okay. But he, but he leaves it at 10 and there wasn't 10 righteous in the city. Because I know some of you are going, wait, the math, they destroyed the city. There wasn't 10 righteous in the city. I know, I was reading through this last night. So <laughs> he comes, he, he goes, okay, look, I'm gonna protect the righteous. So he sends an angel to go and to lead them out to save them. And so he, they lead Lot uh, and his family out of Sodom um, and Gomorrah. Sorry. In Genesis 19, the angel warns them to flee destruction and to run for their salvation. He sa it says it here, this is what it says in Genesis 19. Escape for your life, do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills lest you be swept away. And a few verses later, this is like the saddest follow-up to any story. It tells us that they made it to safety and that the cities were destroyed, but Lot's wife behind him, I think there's something significant about that. He wasn't, he wasn't, he may have been leading her, but she was behind him. And it says that she looked back and she became a pillar of salt. So whether it was her being behind because she was dragging her feet what happens here is that she didn't obey what the Lord told her. And so she was, she, was, she was punished for it. She turned into a pillar of salt. I just really think that's like one of the most comical judgments. But her life ended. That's the point, okay? 
Um, so she turns into a pillar of salt, but I think the thing for us to really gather, why does that matter? Why does Jesus say, out of all stories, remember Lot's wife? The thing with Lot's wife is that inside of her, she had a greater desire for the world than the kingdom. He was saving her and she wanted what was back there. And so Jesus tells us to make sure we turn our backs on the world. To follow Jesus means that we turn our back on the world, that we pursue the kingdom of God in every area of life, that we become captivated. As we turn our back on the world, we become captivated with the one that's in front of us, with Jesus. I just wanna ask you, like, are you captivated with Jesus? Are you in a love relationship with Jesus? Or he's the first one you wanna spend time with when you wake up? Or you consult him about big decisions in your life? Where you draw on his promises when you're, when, you're, when you're facing fear and doubt. If you are a follower of Jesus, guys, we know the deal. We are not perfect yet. God's sanctifying us. And there is grace and there is forgiveness and he's wanting to, uh, to help us to be formed more into his image. But what that means is if you are a believer in Christ, you're actually gonna turn your back often. And that's called Repentance. That's us going like, yeah, I know the road that I'm supposed to travel and that I wanna travel and ah, I messed up and I went this way, I'm gonna turn my back. And as we, turn our backs, as we turn our back in repentance, we turn our back on sin, we turn our back on our flesh, we turn our back on the world and we walk in righteousness in the power of the spirit towards the kingdom of God, amen? Yeah. But if you are not a follower of Jesus, if Jesus just isn't a big thing to you, if it's something you've been around your whole life, but you, you question, man, have I, have I really made a decision? Or like, look, I, like, yeah, really, church, yeah, my family's always done it. Like, and I just do it too, because that's, that's what it is. Or you've just maybe been just resistant to God. Please, as we share this this morning, like receive these warnings from Jesus as a loving invitation yes. today to receive him. That's what I would beg of you. Make a decision today to turn from destruction, turn from judgment, and turn from death that is coming. It will come. Make a decision to turn from that and to turn towards Jesus. Put yourself into his hands. He cares for you. Jesus tells the disciples that when he returns, the people, um, the people will still be tempted to grab their belongings, save themselves, protect their kingdom. But in the end, he warns that whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. So will you lose your life today? Friends, the kingdom of God is in the midst of us today. Jesus, by his spirit, is here. He's in his church, bringing the kingdom of God in your midst. Will you receive it? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you, uh, <laughs> Lord, you don't mince words. You're so kind in the way that you deal with us. You are so patient, Lord, but you are so true. Lord, you are, you are the standard. And Lord, you let us know, God, that we, we need to fall in line. But Lord, you are worth it. You are so worth it, God. You're so beautiful. You're so generous. Lord, I just ask today that people, um, that all of us, Lord, in our hearts, God, the ways in which you have, you've been, been kind of highlighting things, Lord, that we would be able, Jesus, 
to not be led astray, Lord, but actually to look to you, to remember the cross, Lord. Empower us by your spirit to turn our backs on the world. In Jesus' name, amen.